0: This is Usable, a Quartz creative podcast that profiles the creators that are applying user-first design to reinvent how we experience the world. On this episode, Avery Driggers talks to Nancy Bass Wyden, owner of New York City bookstore The Strand, about how user-first design helps the store continuously reinvent itself for the digital age. Thank you so much for being here on Usable with us, Nancy. For those that haven't been, what do you think makes the Strand so special? Why do you think it's lasted for nearly 100 years? Well, it's three generations of a lot of sweat equity.
1: It was my grandfather's, started in 1927, and then my dad's, and then mine. It's just a labyrinth of every kind of book. Old, new, used books in Greenwich Village, in a kind of of, uh, literary epicenter of the world. We're on four floors and just lots to explore and great prices and a great community meeting place.
0: So as the owner, what are your main responsibilities, your day-to-day responsibilities at The Strand?
1: It's my responsibility to keep it going for another hundred years. Um, we have 18 miles of books, so I get the overview of, of the direction of the store. i you know, I started in the basement. I started working there at age 16. I do everything. <laughs>
0: And what was it like growing up in that business did you always want to be a bookseller or did it take some convincing to to get back into the family business
1: i always wanted to be a bookseller it was i always knew the place was so special i mean i remember the first time i went in there or my first memory it was just that kind of addictive, chocolatey, kind of musty, prickly smell of books and going to the children's section and running my finger down the spine of the books and realizing that I could have any book that I wanted and that my dad owned and grandfather owned all of them. I grew up reading books. I grew up working there. I wanted to be close to my dad, too. That was my motivation.
0: You mentioned your grandfather started the business, your father took it up, helped growing it to one of the largest used bookstores in the world. Since you became the sole owner last year, what are new initiatives that you have championed?
1: Well, I'm continuing some initiatives that I've already had. And one is of course a focus on social media, on really connecting with our followers. We have over a half a million followers. I've also keep growing our events space and events team. Uh, Right now we have 400 events a year. This includes kids events, off-sites events, in all kinds of areas and author events, artist events, we have games that are going on so constant fun activities and community oriented things going on at the Strand. I've also developed a uh, books by the foot or curated collection division so you can either even on the web order a whole instant library for your mansion or apartment or whatever you want or any in any kind of color, any kind of binding, any kind of publishing date that you can imagine. Uh, we' also have our own um, kind of bookish items that we are creating. Right now we're developing a, a nerd line <laughs> in a bookish nerd line. We're so thankful for every customer that walks in there and, you know, it's a it's a legacy that was hard one. My dad worked six days a week and my grandfather, too, for most of their lives. You know, it's fun when we're appreciated and when so many celebrities, you know, Bill Clinton just kind of popped up in our stacks one day, you know, back in the old days, uh, Jackie Manassas just showed up. Lots of authors, saw Bellows, Vonnegut, every author in the world um, and every artist seems to have come through. We're happy that so many tourists around the world come to the Strand. I know um, that the world has gotten so homogenized that we're all seeking out interesting experiences. And I'm just so proud that there's so many people that's just are bibliophiles that just love books and they love the tactile feeling and the long read.
0: Bookstores were supposed to be one of these vestiges you know, of the pre-digital age or the mid-digital age and how you know Amazon was supposed to completely kill off all these mom-and-pop independent bookstores, but it seems like the opposite has happened. In fact, the number of independent bookstores in the country is up since 2009. Why do you think that is? Why do you think stores like The Strand have succeeded when larger retailers failed?
1: I think it has to do with a a community feeling. I mean, it's a, a little bit of a backlash against technology, too. You know, you can't just sit at home and, you know, be on your phone all day long. It's nice to come to a place where you can meet your authors that you're reading about or you can discuss your political ideas or you can find books that the internet is really not finding, the cookies are not finding for you. (laughs) I mean, we set up the design of the store a little bit that way so that there's all these cubby holes and sections. You know, we have our slogan is, uh, get lost in the stacks. And you can wander amongst our 18 miles of of books. And there's a a serendipity and experience that you might find a treasure that's kind of unexpected which is not the digital world. You know, when you look back at the history of my uh, grandfather, there was things that were hitting him. Well, first of all, he hit the depression. But then there was the paperback books, the pocket books and they all thought, "Oh, that's going to be the demise of hardback books." And and then there, you know, there was also the movie theaters and then there was TV and that was going to end Book selling, and whereas all of a sudden Barnes and Noble started, and Borders started popping up all over the place. And then they're selling books at uh, the wholesale Costco and Sam's Warehouse, and that's going to be the demise of it. And then uh, the e books came, and that's going to be the end of it. And Amazon, well, that's a pretty strong force, but <laughs> it's, it's not like you said, uh, bookstores are doing great, and people feel f- their heartstrings pull for bookstores and independent bookstores.
0: You've mentioned that The Strand hosts 400 (laughs) events a year, and this is a trend we're really seeing, not just in bookstores, but all across retail, but this event-driven programming. You're not just a store, you're a community center. Do you think this is something that's always been a part of The Strand's DNA, Or, or how do you think it's evolved maybe in the past 10 or 15 years?
1: I developed the program, so it wasn't always there. Mo Williams was one of our first people, and it was so fun because he taught us all how to draw a pigeon. But I think it's built up more and more, and it's a reason for people to come to the bookstore, to get a book signed, and to talk with other people in the audience, and to be able to ask questions. It's just a way to connect that is more important than ever.
0: What did these events look like? I think you mentioned something about maybe authors, meetups, or readings.
1: We had um, Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton together doing book signings shortly after she lost the election, and there were over a 1,000 people. It was snaked up 4th Avenue and all around, and people were crying that she had lost the election to her. So it was so dramatic. Naomi Klein, Buzz Aldrin, Tyra Banks, even Little Wayne, when he got out of prison and he wrote the prison book. I don't know. My dad, who was very stiff, doesn't get all this. So he sat in my dad's desk and I had to explain that he was a rapper. And my dad also didn't get Doug the Pug. He said, (laughs) what? We're having an event for a dog? I think my grandfather would have been rolling over in his grave about that one, too. But they're fun. We have uh, kids' events on the weekends. We'll have somebody dress up like Peppa or Madame Madeline, and they'll do that. There's uh, political discussions. We've had Cards of Humanities events. We've had literary speed dating. Anything that you can think of, we've tried. You know, and the tradition is that somebody will have a book, and they'll have a book discussion. Maybe they'll bring in somebody well-known, to to kind of promote that. And then we have a stairwell, and we have the authors um, sign their names on the stairwell. So if you go in the strand from the third floor, which is the Rare Book Room, which is where we hold most of our events, down to the second floor, the art floor, there's book stacks with famous author signatures on it. I mean, it's so much fun. And there are Ryan Gosling, movie stars. He was really cute.
0: (laughs) A lot of these do seem to either be in response to or tapping into some kind of current event or current trending topic. So how does a, a physical space navigate that sometimes schedule crunch?
1: So the social media is so great for instant feedback. We, you know, we'll put a post on Instagram, maybe a, a, we'll have an author curated table, and then we see how many likes there are. And then we know whether or not to kind of keep it for longer. We see how books sell. We get feedback from our customers right in the store. On the internet, we even get trends of what kind of things are selling. We know that uh, that gardening, was a big trend, and then, you know, we just see what's done well before, and then we blow it up.
0: That's really interesting how you can use digital to directly impact the physical. I'm also curious how you use social media to engage with your community, not just in the general vicinity, to be able to visit the store, but also beyond New York.
1: The way people shop has changed. In the old days, people, when there was no internet, it was a treasure hunt. It was purely serendipity. There were a lot of book collectors and they were looking for something and they would go along Fourth Avenue. They'd go from one bookstore after another. You know, there were 48 of them. And they'd go in, they talk to the proprietor, they'd see what was going on that day. Now, you can just look on the internet and kind of get a, an instant rare book collection. You want all the Hemingway books? You can, you can do that right now instantaneously. The other thing that's really changed uh, for us is there was always traditional writers, you know, there was always the Faulkner and the Hemingway. Now you have the feedback from the bloggers, the podcasters, the YouTubers, uh, the even the the New Yorker article that becomes so popular then they get turned into books.
0: You mentioned that your slogan was get lost in the stacks. Mm-hmm. Do you still think that you design your store to encourage that kind of meandering? Do you have to balance that with people coming in having seen a book on Instagram going straight lining to the, the one book they want?
1: Uh, yes, we've had to redesign everything. I mean, before we had the Internet, it was a little bit of a mess, um, but we, we wanted it that way, too. We put together philosophy books, you know, kind of loosely by author, or, and we had no computerized system. If they weren't able to fit on the shelves, well, we'd just pile them on the floor. So when the Internet came and we had to get barcoded, sticker barcodes, and we had to, we had to really organize things and make sure that we had the books, do inventory controls. So that's really changed it. A recent example is that you know, we see a big increase in vinyl records. So we put a whole vinyl record music section in the store. It's in the, in the underground, in the far back corner. So we made it its own room, and it's hidden, and it's a designation, and we've, um, we've been promoting that. So that's an example of how we're balancing being organized and still kind of having that labyrinth feeling.
0: So it used to be pretty simple that if you wanted to buy a book, you went to a bookstore. <laughs> now there's, there's quite a few more options. So do you think that the communities that still um, identify with bookstore, these the, the people that are still drawn to go into your store, pick up that physical book, do you think they look different now? And what do you think are driving their interests? And how are you designing your events and spaces with these people and their interests in mind? I just think that we've increased our events. We,
1: want to make sure that it, uh, you know, everybody feels very welcome, that it's warm, that their questions and their input is valued. I think back in the old days, I mean, the reputation of book row is that they, these guys were all competing against one another. A lot of them had hard lives, but they were kind of rude to their customers.
0: (laughs) That's super interesting what you're talking about of how the seller to customer relationship has changed a little bit. What do you think makes a great bookseller at The Strand?
1: They love books, and they read voraciously, and their apartments look like The Strand. They're all just loaded up with books. And I think that when you ask uh, the employees what's your favorite thing to do, they will say recommend books. There's the stereotype of the bookseller that's just the reader that wants to stay home all day and just read books. we like the bookseller that's extroverted, that really wants to communicate what they love and why they love it, that has an in-depth knowledge of if you like this, then you'll then you'll like that, and bringing the customer right to the section, putting the book in their hand. You also have to pass a, a test in order to become a Strand employee, a literary test, which we switch around all the time. The New York Check Times it. featured it, did you get it? <laughs> Are you did st- not do as well uh. as I'm going to admit. Because <laughs> <laughs> the title was, Are You Smart Enough to Work at the Strand? And that was I was not are. <laughs> <of. laughs>
0: I read that you created a heat map in the store for areas that were high and low performing. What were you defining as high and low performing? And how did you redesign the store based off that?
1: Well, that was our first attempt at really kind of, you know, we had just stacks and stacks of, of books. And I think we, we realized that, that maybe we had too many stacks. So I instigated an analysis of books to tables, how tables were performing, how shelves were performing to kind of right-size things so that we'd have the right books for everybody.
0: Do you think on the table that's maybe where more discovery happens because it's all right in your face?
1: <laughs> yes, it's faced out. It's The books are speaking to you. We also have, um, we put, put in kind of... Um, little we call them yellow flags to kind of guide the customer what we sometimes we write for your you know nerdy uncle or in the books or you know we will say if something won a prize just to kind of alert the customers about special things and that usually occurs on the tables.
0: What's your system for making your selections constantly seem fresh for your customer? You've got 18 miles worth of books. (laughs) How are you systemizing that so that even if a user walks in once a week it still feels like they're discovering something new.
1: You walk in and then there's a featured book. And then you go beyond that and there's our strand 90 table and those are books that we promised our customers that we would have forever. Those are the Kirk Vonnegut's the Killin' Mockingbirds the you know the classics of, of the world that are there. When you go off kind of to the right there's the, the authors that we like and their and their recommendations. And then um, to the left would be just uh, selections of new books, things that are new fiction, and then a new um, nonfiction section, some kind of children's books, art books, kind of, and then some tables that are just the best of the best.
0: The Strand 90, how does a book get to be on that table?
1: When we turned 80, we did a survey with our customers. We gave the top winner one of every book. So we asked them, what are your all-time favorite books that you would like us to carry forever? So it was a vote, it was a democratic vote.
0: Do you do a lot of surveys like that, engaging with your users, or is it limit them to the big questions?
1: Well, right now I'm fighting landmarks because they want to landmark the Strand, which on the surface of it seems like a great thing, but it's, it's just a horrible thing because it's all about bureaucracy and unnecessary bureaucracy. The point being, oh, we put up a petition online, and we have 10,000 people that signed the petition not to landmark the Strand. Once you get voted on, it's forever, so you have to go through these people, if you even want to change the sign, i got to go through these people about what color the sign is. Ridiculous. Unnecessary.
0: So it's yet just that added level of cost, oversight, cost,
1: and, and government bureaucracy.
0: Gotcha. Well, Where, meanwhile,
1: really- you know, the St. Dennis is reduced to rubble right now the St. Dennis Hotel, which is a real historical hotel.
0: We're nearing the end of our time, but I, a question we do like to ask every guest who is on the show, um, what's something that designers and other fields can learn from how you approach your work at the Strand?
1: Well, in the in the case of the Strand, you know, I like to think that the customers walk into the Strand and I think that they they stop. I've watched them and they take a breath in, and they there's a sense where they're going back into time, where they're, it's not the fast-paced, high-pressured city. Some people feel overwhelmed, but the real book lovers kind of just find this uh, feeling of paradise. So in our case, I think that people just like to explore, too. They like to go up to the rare book room. Maybe they didn't know we had that. You know, they like to find... Um, We have a special bench on the in the art department. Uh, They like to find quirky bookish items that they didn't really even know about. So that's what we're designed for. It's an experience, you know. I think that globally the world is very homogenized. You can get a There's a Sephora in Singapore there's the same experiences over and over again. And uh, in the case of New York, you know, this is a a legacy that I have, a part of uh, New York history. And as the um, epicenter of uh, literary culture in New York, I think it's important that the Strand stays true to its past.
0: Usable is a Quartz Creative production. Ricardo Bilton and Morgan Chmielewski are our executive producers. Music by George Colosso. Art design by Shannon Engle. For more information about Quartz Creative, head to creative.qz.com.